today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning. I thank you, uh, Lord, that you do give me utterance today to present this, to speak this in the way that you've given it to me. And I thank you that you give each one of us in here and those that are joining us online or that will listen to this via our podcast or some other way. Father, I thank you that you give us all ears to hear. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God. Well, you can go with me to 1 Kings 17. We're going to start out there. But I just want to say uh, up front here, uh, quite honestly, I really did, did not want or struggled with or, or tried to talk the Lord out of uh, preaching or, or, or sharing this message today. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's something that he... Uh, very strongly a, 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 a thought here, a, a phrase here out of, out of one of the verses that we're going to read that he very strongly impressed on my heart. Again, I guess it was toward the end of, uh, uh, end of the year, uh, last year. And I sensed in my heart it was something that I needed to share uh, after the first of the year here. And, and uh, he, put, he put other things in my heart that I've shared with you up to now. And uh, this was the one that was left over. And I, I put it off for a couple of weeks. And, and even when I sat down to study on Thursday, I thought, now, Lord, let's, uh, let's see, you know, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to share? And, and this kept coming up. And I thought, no, let's, 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 let's find something else. And, uh, and so he, I, I thought, okay, okay, I'll, I'll dig into this. I just, had the, I just had the phrase here. I said, I'll dig into it. And, uh, and I, believe, I believe that he's shared it with me, and, I'm, and believe with me that it'll come out in a way. Uh, it's going to bless you. And the reason I hesitated is that as, I, uh, as you get into this, uh, as I share it, uh, I just didn't want people to uh, uh, misunderstand my motives for sharing it. Uh, I didn't want people to misunderstand anything that I was saying here because it, I guess it, there's a potential for some things to be misunderstood. Um, in this, but we'll get into it. And now y'all are on edge. Now, what is he going to talk about today? I guess it's a good way to set it up. At least I've got your attention now, right? I don't see anybody up and moving or going to the bathroom. That's good. Okay. I should do this every Sunday. All right. First Kings. First Kings 17. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain. These years, except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So first of all, we see in this situation that with the prophet Elijah that God commands the ravens to feed Elijah. And he said, go, go to the, by the brook Cherith, told him a, a place to go and, and to stay, camp out by the brook. And he said, I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So Elijah had to be obedient and go to that place, right? Amen. 
He had to be obedient and go to that place. As John Osteen wrote a book one time about a place called there. And so Elijah went to that place and that's where the ravens showed up with a chicken biscuit in the morning and a hamburger in the evening. Well, it says they brought him bread and meat. Why not? Okay. Bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. They brought, uh, they brought that to him because God said, I've commanded the ravens to do so. And they did that. Well, eventually the brook dries up because of the drought. The Lord speaks to Elijah to go to Zarephath. And he tells him this. He said, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. Just as he commanded the ravens to provide for him by the brook. Now, if you'll go to Zarephath, he said, I've commanded a widow to provide for you there in Zarephath. Okay? And, uh, and so he goes there. And put yourself in Elijah's place for just a moment. First of all, your mind might be filled with hesitation at this idea. Oh, you've commanded a widow to... Pro- the, the ravens have been working out pretty good, Lord. And the ravens don't ever protest. The ravens don't have a, a will. The ravens don't reason things out. They just go and get it and bring it because you've... Co- Lord, I'm a human being. I know how us humans are. We can be self-willed. We can be disobedient. I'm not sure how this is going to work out. Or, or he could have had this thought as he entered the town. I wonder which rich widow it is that's going to provide for me. As he, looked, you know, he goes down Main Street, you know, and, and, and still you can still see them in, in a lot of the towns around here today. As you go down the Main Street, you see those nice big palatial homes that were built I think about Green Street and, and Gainesville. They're all law offices now. Nobody lives in them. And that ought to tell you something right there. Uh, and, uh, and then some of the other, other towns, you know, that you go, you go down the old, you know, main part of town and Main Street, and you see these big, nice, you know, most of them have columns and nice palatial homes. So think about Elijah going into Zarephath and looking at, at that neighborhood, that area of town, thinking, okay, which one, I wonder which house it is where this widow's at that's going to provide for me. It's, she's got to be wealthy if she's going to provide for me. But you know, it turned out not to be that at all. Let's see, what, uh, let's see what actually happens. Verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Verse 12, So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So sure enough, you know, as he, as he goes through the gate of the city, he encounters this widow... God said, I've commanded a widow to provide for her. And here she is. Here's a widow. And uh, she's not riding in a fancy chariot, though. She's out gathering sticks. She's not being attended by servants. She's gathering sticks to cook her last meal. And uh, so Elijah says, okay, I can, I can deal with this. She doesn't have to be rich. I mean, the Lord, you know, uh, said he'd commanded her to provide for me. If he can use the ravens, then surely he can use this woman. So... Uh, so he gives her a test. Okay, make sure that make sure that this is going to work out. So let's let's start with something small. He says, uh, "Could I have a drink of water, please?" 
So she goes, she says, okay, yeah, I can handle that. So she goes to get the drink of water, and he says, okay, she's doing this. It's going to work. Let's try step two now. Oh, uh, by the way, while she's going to get the water, by the way, can you bring me a morsel of bread? And then she stops, puts her hands on her hips, and turns around and says, let me tell you something, mister. I don't have any. I don't have, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. That's that, saying, as the Lord your God lives, is like saying, let me tell you something, mister. I do not have bread. I only have a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And I'm out here gathering these sticks because I'm going to take what I've got left. I'm going to make one more meal for myself and my son. We're going to eat it. And then, as far as I know, well, there's no prospects of any more food. We're going to die after that. I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. And uh, so, so uh, you know, uh, Elijah, uh, apparently, obviously, Elijah realizes, hmm, God, you said you'd commanded this widow to provide for me. Uh, did you forget one detail in this, or did you tell her? <laughs> because you apparently forgot to tell the woman that she's supposed to provide for me. She was not aware of it at all. Um, even though God had told Elijah, I've commanded this widow to provide for you. See, this woman was chosen by God to play a key role in providing for the prophet Elijah, and yet she was unaware of it. Do you think that could be possible today? And, and there, that's why I'm pointing this out today and why I'm sharing this with you, because I think a lot of times many Christians are unaware of the important role that they're called to and chosen for and even commanded by God to fulfill, not only in providing financially for the work of the kingdom of God, but also, in the, uh, which we'll get into today, in the supply of the spirit of prayer and service that they're to bring to the body of Christ as well. See, a lot of times we're just like this woman. What is she in? She's in survival mode, isn't she? She's just in survival mode. I'm gathering sticks. I'm going to make our last meal. We're going to eat it and die. A lot of Christians are just, we're, we're living, we can be living in survival. I'm just trying to make it another day. Well, I'm just trying to get the bills paid today. Well, I'm just, and you, and, and, and you come in here telling me that God wants to use me to provide for his kingdom. I'm absolutely telling you that today. God does not want us living in a survival mode, even though that might be our present circumstances. He's got a higher flow, a supernatural flow for us that we can enter into. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So this woman also, she seemed like the least likely candidate. Like I said, Elijah's probably coming into town thinking, okay, where's the biggest mansion in town? Where's that rich widow that's going to provide? She seemed like the least likely candidate to be used by God to further his program and to provide for his servant. First of all, she's a woman. And, you know, women didn't have a, 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 a high position in the culture in that day, did they? Yeah, they did not, not at all. I wonder why God didn't use a man to provide. Maybe because he couldn't find one. Maybe because he knew the men were too hard-headed, he couldn't get one to obey him. And all the ladies said, oh, you give us the great chance to really shout amen there, ladies. 
You know, it reminds me, it reminds me of the ministry of Jesus. Look at, look at this verse. We'll come back to this woman in a minute. But look at Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, it says, Now it came to pass afterward that he, talking about Jesus, he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Jesus is out spreading the kingdom of God, spreading the gospel, teaching and preaching the word of God. And the twelve are with him, his twelve apostles traveling, his ministry team, they were traveling with him. They were going through every city, every village, and they were, they were spreading the word of God. Amen? And, since the twelve are with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary, called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. So they're, they're out preaching and, uh, and spreading uh, the good news of the kingdom of God, and there's a group of women that are providing for Jesus and his apostles, Jesus and his ministry team. Some of them are named here. And uh, they, been, they said, it said women that had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And he mentions by name Mary Magdalene. Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. He mentions another woman named Joanna and, and mentions that she was the wife of Chusa, who was Herod's steward or administrator. He was like Herod, King Herod's business administrator. He was probably, they were, Joanna uh, was probably someone that was very wealthy. She's portrayed, if you've seen The Chosen, uh, she's portrayed in, in one of the episodes of The Chosen of bringing this, this very expensive piece of cloth. And uh, at, at the one I saw, I don't know whatever happened to it. They, they, he brought it, she brought it to some of the other women that were with Jesus and they were debating what, what they should do with it. And if they should sell it. And, um, but anyway, this is her in the, in the Bible. She was the wife of Chusa, who was Herod's administrator, likely very wealthy. Mentions Susanna as another one. And then it says, and many others who provided... Put verse 3 back up there again, Kim. Notice it says, who provided for him from their substance. Now, the, the question has been asked, does God need your money? Dave Ramsey says no. If you go through financial peace, he says, he says God... Now, now, he says this in the context of encouraging people to tithe and to give, okay? He says, we need to tithe. We need to give. It's the, the last lesson of financial peace. It's called the great misunderstanding. Live like no one else so later you can live and give like no one else. And position yourself to be a, a, a great blessing uh, in giving and, and, and uh, uh, those things. Uh, so Dave says, God doesn't need your money. And he goes so far as to say, he said, the church doesn't. Now, now maybe the church he goes to, because the example he used was, you know, he says, does the, he says, first of all, God doesn't need your money. He's doing just fine. And secondly, the church doesn't need your money. He said, I thought maybe the church needed my money. And then I found out, I, I, I talked to one of the board members or whatever, and they said the budget was $8.4 million that year. And and well, I, I assure you, our budget here is not $8.4 million. Maybe that church didn't need Dave's money, but uh, I don't subscribe to that. Well, so let's answer that. Well, when Jesus was in heaven with the Father, did Jesus... No, Jesus didn't need any money then. God doesn't need any money in heaven, but when Jesus came to earth, did he need money? He obviously did. He had these, he had these women and many others that provided for him for him 
from their substance. So yes, he needed money. And he had a group of women primarily that were supporting his ministry. Again, in most cases, these would seem like the least likely candidates to do such a thing. But see, God is looking more for our availability than he is for our ability. Amen. 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 So let's go back to this widow (laughs) of Zarephath. She's low in her culture, being a woman, and probably even lower being a widow. She probably even has lower status. Not only is she a woman, but she's a widow. In other words, she would be looked at as this poor lady. She can't do anything for anybody. She's just a helpless, hopeless case. Maybe we can have pity on her. But what can she do? Nothing. That's the, way, that's the attitude uh, that, that, that probably was prevalent in that time. And it had to be humbling for Elijah to accept provision from such a poor widow as this. He, it, had, it had to be humbling for him. But hey, he was used to birds feeding him. So he'd probably gotten over his pride. If ravens were bringing him a chicken biscuit in the morning and a, and a hamburger in the evening, then he probably was, he'd probably gotten over his pride at that time of, you know, of, of receive, being able to receive. So let's keep reading here. Verse 13. <coughs> so remember, she just has said, I don't have any bread. I'm gonna, I've got a little bit of flour in a bin, I've got a little oil in a jar, uh, I'm gathering sticks, I'm going to go home and I'm going to bake this last cake for me and my son, we're going to eat it and die. That's what she just has said. So Elijah responds to her, verse 13, Elijah said to her, Don't, do not fear. Boy, that's the first thing. That's the first thing. He had, he had to get her set free from her fear. Amen. And that's what God does for us. Amen. And that's what, in order for us to begin to move in, in his supernatural flow of provision and, and being able to be a blessing, then we have to get, get over our fear. We have to get delivered from fear, don't we? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Do not fear. He says, go and do as you've said. Go ahead and go and bake that cake. But then he adds this, but make me a small cake from it. For, make, make a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. Now, again, she could have thought, she could have reasoned, wait a minute, I just got through telling you there's only enough for one. If I make one for you, there won't be any, any left for me and for my son. But thank God she didn't let her reasoning take over right there. Verse 14, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of, our, uh, a bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Praise God. Well, again, Elijah saying, make me one first. That goes against our natural mind. And to some people that were without understanding of what God was doing, it would appear, yeah, I knew it. Here this greedy preacher is taking advantage of this poor widow. And... Sadly, uh, to report, but you know, that has happened in the church world. Unfortunately, that has, that, there have been instances and cases of that. But this was a work that God was doing. This was something that God was in. Was Elijah being selfish? No. Elijah understood what God was wanting to do. Now, we have, we have no record that, God, that, that Elijah ever told this woman point blank, look, lady, God has commanded you to provide for me. 
He never said that. And she may have never understood it on those terms, but yet he knew that he could lead her into that role if she would follow his instructions. He knew, he had enough faith to know, he said, if she'll just follow my instructions, then I'll be able to lead her into doing what she's been commanded to do, even though she's unaware of it, even though she doesn't know. So she chose to believe what Elijah said, and she acted on it. Look at verse 15. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for what? Many Many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. So when she accepted her role as one who was called by God to provide for his prophet Elijah, then God worked a supernatural miracle. Amen. 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 So who benefited from her faith and from her obedience? Was it just Elijah? Elijah benefited, yes, he was provided for, but Elijah was not the only one that benefited. The Bible says that she and her household also benefited. Remember, they're on the verge of starvation and death. But the Bible says they ate for many days. They were sustained and provided for all the way, all the way till the drought and the famine ended. Amen. Hallelujah. God took care of them all the way through that because she stepped into her role I'm okay, I'm going I'm to let you use me, Lord. You've commanded me to provide for your servant. I'm going to let you use me. And she benefited from it. Amen. Amen? That's exactly what God wants to do for each one of us. As we recognize, He wants to use us, even though it may seem like we're the unlikely one, and even though it may seem like it's impossible. Now, one more thing about this woman. After, after that was happening, <coughs> that provision, that miracle was going on, it says sometime later, verse, in verse 17, now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, so her son gets sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come... To, to me, to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my sin. See, people, people walking around, especially in that day, this is before Jesus came. This is before we understand that we're righteous. So she's got a guilt, a, a guilt consciousness, a sin consciousness. And, and so she knows she's done wrong things in her life. And her son gets sick and her son dies. And she's okay, it's because of my sin. And it's because I got mixed up with this prophet. And, and he's re- brought my sin to remembrance and killed my son. No, no, ma'am, God didn't kill your son. You're overreacting here. And so Elijah says to her, give me your son. Now, what did, what did, how'd this start out? When Elijah first walked through the gate of Zarephath and encounters this widow, he says, could you give me a drink of water, a cup of water? And then he says, could you give me some bread to eat? Well, she stopped and thought about it. You know, that worked out pretty good. When the prophet said, give me some water, and the prophet said, give me some bread, that worked out pretty good for our household. Now he's asking me, give me your son. 
See, because of what she had seen and experienced, now she can have faith to give her son to Elijah and expect a miracle. Hallelujah. Now, the rest of that verse says, So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on the bed. Verse 21, And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray let this child's soul come back into him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. Wonder what would have happened if that woman had had never stepped into that role and into that place of saying, Okay, Lord, you've commanded me to provide for your servant. I'm going to do that. I wonder, I wonder if, she would have, if, if this miracle would have happened. I think likely not. Amen? Let's go to the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 14. Here's another, another place in Scripture where we see this word commanded. God, God says to Elijah, I've commanded this widow to provide for you. Here, this word commanded is used as well. Even so, the Lord has commanded, what? That those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. And we see this word commanded being used in basically the same context as with Elijah and the widow. The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. God's word translation says it this way. In the same way... The Lord has commanded that those who spread the good news should earn their living from the good news. And so again, here's, this is why, as you may understand, this is why I hesitated. Lord, I don't, want to, you know, I don't want people to misunderstand my motives for sharing this. So I believe, again, as, as we've already set it up and laid the foundation, that the Holy Spirit is, is, if I can communicate it clearly, that you'll understand that my motives are right uh, in this. But this is where I had the hesitation. Uh, God has commanded that those who spread the good news should earn their living from the good news. So, well, God's commanded it, but who has He commanded to carry it out? I mean, it's one thing, has he, has he commanded ravens? Well, no, not in this case. He's commanded His people. And I submit to you today that it's probably people just like this widow that we've been looking at. Some, someone who may seem like the least likely candidate. Someone who's seemingly in the natural is certainly not in a, in a position or has the means to do so. The Lord uses people like this woman that will respond to Him, that will trust Him, and that will step out in faith in order to provide for His servants and to further the work of His kingdom. Amen? Now, personally, I count myself blessed to... Uh, we started the church, City on a Hill Church, at the time coming New Life Church in 1988, and I was working a full-time job when we started the church, and I continued to work full-time and, and pastor as well as we got things started. And, and then I was able to transition to the, my company that I was working for, allowed me to uh, work, start working part-time for them. And I did that for a couple of years, and, and I think it was 1990, 1990 or 1991, I, I made the step, and it was a step of faith for me, but I made the step to say, okay, I'm going to do this uh, full-time. And, um, and since that time, 1990 or 91, I've been doing this full-time, praise God. And I've never had a guarantee of a paycheck in all of those years. It's all, it's all been about now. You know, our, the, the board at the beginning of the year says, okay, this is, we're going to designate this for your salary, and that's all great, but uh, 
that doesn't mean the money's sitting in the bank. Where's the money at? It's in your pockets. It's in your pockets. And I'm trusting God for you to share enough of it where I can get a paycheck. <laughs> so that's just, that's just the bottom line of it, okay? As Brother Jerry O'Dell used to say, we tell the truth, nothing but the truth, but rarely the whole truth. Well, this is the whole truth this morning. So the reason we don't share the whole truth is most time folks aren't, you know, mature enough to handle it, but I believe that you are, okay? Now, God's been faithful. I, that's, that's been 30, you know, 32 32, almost, I guess, 32 or 33 years of God has been faithful. I've never gone hungry. Now, some of you may wonder about that because I'm so thin, but I've not. I promise you. I inherited my mother's metabolism, so I'm blessed by that. So. Uh, but you also realize that, that my salary is only a, a, a fraction of the overall church budget. For instance, uh, our gas bill that we just mailed out uh, the other day on Friday, $624 this month. Uh, our, our insurance uh, is due, and the check's written. We've not mailed it out yet, but we will this week. Uh, insurance, uh, one, of, one, of the install, one of the, I think it's three installments for the year for our, our insurance for our, our building and property, $811 uh, going out. So, you know, there's a lot of, and I could, I could go on and on and name a lot of other expenses. You might think, oh, well, I wouldn't think about a church having that, you know. And, um, but you're giving and, uh, and, and your faith and your faithfulness to heed God's command to provide for His work through this church, that's what sustains us. That's what keeps us going. And, uh, and I'm saying this today to help you understand just how important, just how vital your participation is in that. We've already taken up the offering today. We're not going to take up another one. I'm not saying this to manipulate anyone I'm, I'm simply communicating this for you to understand how vital your role is in, in supporting the work of God here. Amen. Uh, now, has God said, well, God commanded that widow. Well, yeah, he did. He told Elijah that he had commanded, but she was not even aware of it. Well, pastor, I'm not sure that God's commanded. Well, the, 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 the widow didn't have a vision. The widow didn't have a voice from heaven. The widow didn't see an angel. You know, telling her that he's commanded her. What she simply did is she just simply followed what Elijah did as he came and as he began to lead her into that. She simply yielded and she simply followed that. She didn't, she didn't have any more, as far as we know, any more communication or, or direct word from God about that. Now, many of you get this. You, you get it. You understand that the Lord and the church do need your support. And you're so faithful to give and, and, to, and to make sure, you know, even if, you, you know, some of you, even if you, if you miss a Sunday, you make sure you send it in online or you, or you make sure you double up the next week or whatever. And you, you're so faithful to understand and get it. Hey, the church, the church needs my support. And, uh, and you're, you're faithful to do that. But others need to understand that. You need to understand just how vital, just how important your faithful support is in keeping the doors open enabling us to continue to minister to our community. And as Royal said, uh, the, the, you know, the money that comes in here, it does go to support missions around the world as well. It goes for our, uh, to, to be able to do what we did yesterday and, and, and feeding 233 people. And that's just a small, again, that's just a small fraction of what we do every month with the, the food pantry. It goes, to, again, to send the Word of God uh, around the world through the missions that we support. 
And, uh, you know, over, uh, looking back over the 35 years, almost 35, in June will be our 35th anniversary of our church. And uh, over the course of 35 years, we've, you know, we've seen people come and people go. And sometimes when people leave, you know that they're, they're, they're doing it right, they're leaving for the right uh, reason, and they're doing it the right way, and, and God's in it. Uh, but in other cases, in fact, a lot actually, uh, I have to wonder, when, when folks leave, do they really realize how their leaving is going to affect the church, affect our finances, and affect uh, the areas that they maybe perhaps were serving in? Has God commanded them to provide for our church? Had He commanded them? Were they leaving prematurely? Were they missing out on their assignment? And as a result, missing out on their blessing. I'm not sure that the average Christian gives this a lot of thought, especially these days. You know, it seems like, you know, the, 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 the prevailing mindset is, okay, let's see, what, well, let's see what I can get out of church. Now, don't misunderstand me. You should get something out of church. You should get blessed. You should get nourished. You should get fed. You should benefit from the fellowship and the connections and the, and the church family that, that, that's here. You should benefit from that. It should, be, it should be a blessing. But we shouldn't come to church just saying, oh, well, the church, does it have this, 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 and this? If it doesn't, we're going to shop around and find one that has this, 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 and this. Now, again, God, you may, you know, people may quote-unquote shop around, but it shouldn't be shopping around just with, okay, what can I get out of it? It should be, Lord, where do I fit? Where do you want me planted? Where can I flourish and, and, and not only be blessed, but be a blessing? Amen. 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 Am I preaching the truth this morning? Amen. And it's not just a financial supply either. Uh, let's look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4.14 he says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. See, a lot of Christians, I think, I think the local church is so important and, and Royal talked about how the, 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 the mentors and the, and the people at their business meeting it's talking about the importance of the local church. The local church is important to keep you from being tossed about and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Amen. The people, there's a lot of winds of doctrine that are blowing around out there. And if you're not planted in a local church, you're going to be more likely susceptible to be deceived and confused by them. Yes. Amen. So that's another reason you need the local church. Yes. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things. Turn to your neighbor and say, grow up. <laughs> now, now, be nice. Don't do it with an attitude. Be nice about it. Come on, let's try it again. Turn to your neighbor and say, grow up. God wants us to grow up. <laughs> that we may grow up. It's right there. That we may grow up in all things. Verse 16 now. Here's what I want to get to. Verse 16. From whom the whole body, look at this joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, 
causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Well, if our pastor was just more dynamic, our church would grow. Well, I'm just, I'm sorry. I just am who I am. I, I mean, I, I, I just got to be who God's called me to be. Amen. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not the most dynamic. I understand that. You know, maybe if I had more hair and it was more... Maybe if I had bigger muscles and work, you know, some pastors wear those tight T-shirts and show off their muscles. Maybe if I did that, maybe I should get a tattoo. Now, the church is going to grow. God bless them if they, God's called them to do that. That's not my, my business. I don't need to get over there. Amen. All right. Now, look at what he says here. First part of the verse again for a second, Kim. Look at that. By, by what every joint supplies, and according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Every joint has a supply. Every part has a share to bring. And then the rest of the verse says, causes the growth of the body. That's what's going to cause the body to grow. When we all take our place, when we all say, hey, God's commanded me. God's commanded me to provide for this local church, not only a financial supply with my tithes and offerings, but also a supply of the Spirit, a supply of prayer, a supply of service. Amen. 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 Praise God. Is Reed, is Reed available to come back? Is he back with the... There we go. All right. He's back in the baby room. All right. Uh, come on back up, Reed. So see, you've got a supply to bring. You've got a share of the work to do so the church can function at full capacity the way that God wants us to. And again, I think many Christians are totally unaware of this, just like the widow was unaware that God had commanded her to provide for the prophet Elijah. Amen. But see, she was willing to follow him in faith. She stepped, and when she did, she stepped into a supernatural flow of provision and blessing that she could never have imagined. She's going to eat, the, she's, in, she's in survival mode. She says, we're just going to eat this and we're going to die. But she stepped out of survival mode into God is using me to provide for his servant and for his kingdom and for his work. And she was sustained and she was provided for. And on top of that, on top of that, her son was raised from the dead. Now, don't misunderstand me. You may have seen some of these guys on TV. If you'll send me $1,000, I promise you, your son will be delivered from drugs. I'm not saying that. That's, that's manipulation. That's playing on people's emotions. We're not saying that. We're not talking about that. But we are talking about if you put yourself in a position to be used by God, God's going to take care of you. And not just going to take care of you financially. He's going to take care of your family. Praise God. I, th- I think about David and Karen Webb, who've been with us since 91. Since 1991, they've been, now, now Paul started out with us. Paul was with us our very first Sunday in, in uh, 1988 and was with us for quite some time. He, uh, he got disobedient to God and he left, but he, but he prayed and repented and came back. <laughs> I'm not saying he was disobedient. He was a great blessing. God, God sent him and his family to help another church get started, and they were a huge, uh, a huge blessing there and, and very instrumental. Uh, and, and the work that that church did. But God sent him home, and we're glad. But David and Karen have been with us since 1991, and they've always, they've always had a heart for what I'm preaching to you today. 
They've, they've always, and they've, not, and they've not always been in position to give big, but they've always faithfully tithed and faithfully given, and they've always wanted to give more. Amen. When they, just a, a, what, when did y'all sell your house? Has it been three, two years ago, three years? When you sold your house down here? A couple years ago. When they sold their house down here, they came and they brought me a check the church a check, uh, which was 10% of the gross total of the sale of their house. And I said, no, I can't take this. It was thousands of dollars. I said, I can't take this. You, don't, you can't tithe on the gross sale of your house. You gotta, you gotta, if you're going to do that, you've got to say, okay, what did I pay for it? Now what am I selling it for? And you've got to back out the repairs that you made. That's your increase, not the, not the gross total of something that you paid for and now you're selling and you know and I said I can't take this here take this back so I hope that tells you something about our integrity the way we operate here and of course they went and refigured and 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 blessed the church with with a refigured amount that was more in keeping of what they should have but my point is they've always had a heart to give and to tithe and to be a blessing and and they that was the first thing they were they were more eager to do that than do anything when they sell their, when they sell their, we get to, we get to give an off, we get to tithe on this. We get to do, and that's been their heart always. Amen. Well, and you know that, uh, 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 and that uh, now they're, they're finishing their house and they're going to move into their house and it's going to be totally paid for. They won't have a house payment, debt free home. Along the way, as they were building it, David would sow seed. He said, I need, I need some money to pay for, uh, to, to pay for the, the lumber to frame my house. And he sold a seed and he went up driving up 400 and saw this big, big, big stash of lumber on the side of the road that a company had basically abandoned there and David got in touch with them and got it for pennies on the dollar after he sold that seed. Praise God. He's done that more than, more than one time when they've needed stuff for their house. That's why they're moving into it debt free. Right before the lumber prices went up, too. Praise God. Well, God takes care of you when you operate like that. And I'll tell you what else he did for them. Some of you may remember this and know. But on October the 2nd of 2015, they got a call that their daughter had been in a, a horrible uh, automobile accident. She ran head on. Olivia ran head on uh, to a fire truck and went down an embankment in her car. If you saw the, the car was just crushed and mangled, and she should not have been alive. And, and I got a call. I remember where I was at. I was eating lunch, and it was right around lunchtime. I was sitting in my car. I'd gone through a drive-thru and, and sitting in my car in the Kroger parking lot, and David called me and told me uh, about Olivia. Please pray. We don't know. Olivia's in bad shape. We don't know if she's going to make it. And she shouldn't have made it, but she did make it. She did make it. She had several surgeries. She had weeks, maybe months of, of rehab. And, uh, and she's, she got married last year. And she's healthy and well. It, it, her, her recovery took some time. But she shouldn't be, by, in the natural, she shouldn't be alive. But she's alive. Hallelujah. God will do stuff for you like that if you'll, if you'll get in his supernatural flow. If you'll be where he's commanded you to be. And do what he's commanded you to do then he'll bless you and he'll bless your family. Yes. Hallelujah. 
And in the end, the result will be you'll have great rewards in heaven. Hallelujah. Great rewards in heaven for being faithful to do what God has told you to do. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father. Father, I just thank you for the uh, receptivity, Lord, of your people today. I thank you, Father, that they, that they I believe, Lord, just from the, the, this, there's the sense that I have in here that they got what, what, what I was trying to communicate and what I believe you're trying to communicate to us. That, that, that our part, that our supply is important. It is vital. And Father, I thank you that we'll each one do our part. I have confidence, Lord, that these, these good people will do exactly what you have them to do, not only in, uh, in their giving to support the church, but also in their service and in their prayers. We're so grateful, Father. We're so thankful. That's how your body is to function. That's how it's to work. And, and I thank you that these people get it. They get it. So we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. And Father, I just want to pray right now. If there are those among us here in this room or those that have joined us online or that are listening later to the podcast that have never invited you into their heart to be Lord and Savior, they've never trusted you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior, I pray, Father, that you would draw them by your Holy Spirit today. And I pray that, that, that somehow through the midst of listening to this, they've been, become convinced that they need a Savior, that they need Jesus. I pray for them right now, Father, that they would say yes to you, that they would open their hearts. You can't do it for them. I can't do it for them. That's the part. They, they, there's only a knob on the inside, and they have to open the door. You stand at the door and knock, but we have to open it. You're not going to tear it down or break it down. But, Lord, we, we, you call us, and you, you desire for us to open the door and invite you in to our hearts and our lives. I pray right now, if there are those that need to do that, that they would respond to you in the name of Jesus. While we're in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed, with eyes closed, you'd say, Pastor, that's me. I've never opened the door of my heart to Jesus. I've never made him the Lord of my life. I've never said yes to him, but I know that I need to do that. Young or old, anybody in the auditorium here or joining us on YouTube, Pastor, that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to open the door of my heart and invite him in. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand? And by raising your hand, you're saying, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I want to do this today. I want to invite Jesus into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. Anyone in the room today looking all around? Thank you, Jesus. Those of you joining us on YouTube, maybe you're in a position where you've never made Jesus your Lord, you can receive him right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. And those of you in the auditorium here, I would like to ask you to join me in this prayer. Just put your hand over your heart if you would. And if you're joining us on YouTube and, and you're ready to, and you want to receive Jesus, now when I say ready, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. When I, I'm not saying ready as in put it off to tomorrow or next week. Today is the day of salvation. If you know that you need a Savior, then you're ready. And so I want to pray with you. I want to lead you in a prayer. And in this prayer, you're opening your heart to the Lord. And he's going to come in and make all things new on the inside. That's what he promised. Pray this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. 
I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And that you raised him from the dead. And that he is Lord. And he alone can give me eternal life. I put my faith in you, Lord Jesus. I recognize I need a Savior. I can't save myself. I trust in you now. Be the Lord of my life. I open my heart to you. I thank you that you come in. And you make all things new. On the inside. You wash away my sin. You make me new and clean. Thank you Jesus. For your mercy. Over my life today. Thank you Jesus. For forgiving me. Of all my sins. Thank you Jesus. For being the Lord of my life. Amen. Praise God.